This is Hoops Form, a production of Radius Athletics and a Quick Timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and I'm joined once again this week by my co-host Randy Sherman. Before we get into today's episode, a big thanks to 323 Sports. We're in the middle of winter. Temperatures are cold for a lot of us. 323 Sports has some great options on outerwear for your team and also for your coaching staff. To find out more about what they can do for your program, visit 323sports.com, or you can contact a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. We are smack dab in the middle of the basketball season, and a lot of us have started region play and conference play. So we we just want to start with that. Um, Randy, the mentality of coaches as they enter conference play, maybe for you, did it change at all for other coaches and coaches that you're talking with? What are some of the things that they're maybe thinking about or the mindset that they have now as things kind of get a little bit more serious? Yeah, I think some changes that I, they were subtle, but some changes that I made when we got into, in, in Texas, we call it district play. That'd be the equivalent to like your conference or whatever. Um, the teams we play twice in a double round robin and, and how we do in those games determines who goes to the postseason. So I think some changes that I made during those time of year, that time of year that, again, they were subtle, would be um, just a little bit more scouting and preparation. Um, whereas a non-district game, we, we we do an okay job, but really the winning and losing of that game doesn't bear on our postseason chances, whereas in the district it did. Um, so a little bit more scouting and preparation, make it a point to have seen those teams live and, and obviously collect film on those teams and have a pretty good idea of what they're about, who their players are, and what they do. So that'd be one one difference for me during this time of year was just a little bit more reliance on on scouting. I'd say another would be maybe a time of year where we're a little we're 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 a little leg weary, having played throughout the year and, and maybe played a bunch of games on the front end and tournaments and things like that. And by district, our game our schedule sort of normalizes to Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday, Friday. So we've got sort of like a predictable week for the last half of the season, if you will, like Monday. Tuesday's game day, Wednesday, Thursday practice, Friday's games day, Saturday's practice also. Really try to refine our schedule, like as far as our, like our weekly schedule to where um, we were fresh on game day, our legs were fresh, we were prepared and ready to go because those games, I'm not coaching through those games, we're, we're coaching to win those games. So those are some of the main differences, um, I would say. Yeah, for us, very similar to that, but you know, you – incur a little injury here or something happens you know i would hope this doesn't happen to you but for coaches sometimes you have that player that was eligible first semester and now is an eligible second semester and so tweaking of rotations and for us a lot of opportunities to play but also shortening our practices so being able to play so that you have that chemistry but we're doing a lot more shooting now so we shoot more but we practice a little bit less to your point i would hope most coaches have in place everything that they need as far as out of balance plays or set plays and that kind of thing focus in on the things that you have at this point along those lines i would say i'm glad you mentioned that because it kind of it kind of triggered a memory especially like saying my first year at a at a place i was sort of like dripping out the dripping our offense out sort of like in terms of readiness to our players so you know i'm not i'm not just dumping it all on them at the front of the season we might have the basic 
spacing alignment cuts screens and then and then as as that information sort of becomes automated by our players and they can do that then i determine there's some readiness for some more and so yeah like this time of year might be a year where our offense is sort of fully blossomed <laughs> you know like there's the everything sort of so maybe we were a little bit more uh, bare bones on the front end of the season but now we've got a, a different entry a different um you know um, a different read or or uh, a different um, sort of way we can can make our offense look but not be that different right minor adjustments yeah i would say more like it's just sort of like a withheld mm-hmm. things on the front end because we're not ready we're, we're learning still so i didn't want to overwhelm with information but as that first presented information becomes sort of like automated then we sort of like maybe expand with, you know, okay, now when you pass, you can screen or cut or, you know, like, like those, those sort of things, just where it's, it's reached its full version, if you will. Uh, for us tonight, we're already playing a team a second time. And like I said, you know, I know some States quickly get into region play or they wrap up like first mm-hmm. week of February. So you may be seeing a team already for a second time yeah. as you saw a team a second time, was it just we did poorly against them in these areas last time? Let's correct that, or was there more to it? Yeah, that that's a that's a tough one. You know, I, I would say that that um, when we saw a team a second time, I would say the good thing is we sort of have piece of evidence from the first of the in the form of the first game of how they're going to defend what it is we do, right? Like we kind of we kind of then know what they see when they see us and what they do to sort of stop us, where they're going to help from, how they're going to defend off ball screens, on ball screens, things like that. We kind of get at least, I mean, some really strong evidence as to how they think they can stop us. So I think the second time around you do get into that, maybe like, okay, your move, my move, you know, like a chess match, right? So like now I see how you want to play us and we've got that information to draw from. Me personally, as a coach, I was more just kind of like along the lines of like, we do what we do, uh, but you'd be a fool not to refer back to your first contest and sort of like pick up some some clues that might, you can you can kind of counter some of those decisions that you anticipate seeing again. I think back to my time as a coach and we play a double round robin against our district team home and away. And those, those games are everything. Like in Texas, those the outcomes of those games determine who goes to the postseason. No power rankings, nothing like that. It was literally how, your win-loss record in your district games. So they're vitally important. So, man, I can remember sort of the intensity of those games really feeling like, you know, playoffs. So it's like maybe you're tied for second place with a, with a team going into the second round robin game and, you know, uh, the winner – is going to get, and they only take two teams from that district to the postseason or something like that's that's like a playoff game. So it's everything. So the preparation was high, the sort of examination of the first contest was high, and the intensity, the crowd, everything. So yeah, those games usually they're in Texas. They're nearby, like the schools are nearby. So like the, the players know one another and they know what each other do. They play AAU against one another in the summer. So uh, man, any little edge is valuable in those situations. I can't remember making any enormous changes. They were always kind of slight things. Um, I think a lot of this probably I didn't give enough information. You know, for us playing a game 
in less than a week's time against the same opponent, which most teams don't do. But for some, probably playing a month or a month and a half, and probably both of those situations present different opportunities. Your team could be completely different based off what you find maybe has worked in some other games. So that probably wasn't a great question to ask, but we'll give. I'd say I'd say the reminders are better than new information. So Mm -hmm. like. You know, if we're if we're a ball screen offense, let's say like we run a lot of primary break into drag screen transition or something, just I'm just picking that example out. So we played them once. We sort of know how they're going to defend ball screens on this particular player or something like that. They're going to trap. They're going to hedge. They're going to switch. Whatever, right? So we've taught all our players sort of like what what to see. What to, but like in this game, we're expecting to see this so we can kind of like zero in on having that ready. Now, that may segue into our next conversation. You may get in the game and it'd be, you know, totally different, right? Yeah, go ahead. And, let's talk about that. On the topic of adjustments, how, how big are you on in-game adjustments? Again, I would say probably in relation to the coaching population in general, a little low, like not not super into that. Like I, I felt like running a read-based, decision-based style offense where our players are taught to read the defense, like we sort of broke things down in a way that, that there's only so many ways that a defense can defend this, right? So if we're setting a, a down screen, right, they can go under, they can trail, they can switch, they can like overplay it or you know try to blow it up or something like. And we we've, we've repped all that, so so it's really just recognition and reminders for the way you know I, I I tried to approach things. Now that's not to say that there weren't some times where we get into a game and we make an in-game adjustment. For example, one time we, we played a team who had a girl, went to, went to University of Texas, had a long WNBA career. Really, really like once in a generation you play against a player this good, right? So, so we're playing against her and, you know, they're, they're sending a lot of ball screens forward to try to get, she was a guard and, and, you know, trying to get her shots and get her opportunities. And we had the way we wanted to play her and it was just getting torched. Like, and really quickly in the game, you know, during a, you know, a timeout, I, I was like, you know, new plan. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to adjust and trap this girl and get, get the ball out of her hands and just take our chances with someone else. Because if we keep doing this approach, this is not going to end well. So, I would say don't let stubbornness get you beat, right? Like that's something that I would I would take away. But what I'd be looking for is are we doing our scouting report? Are we doing our game plan right? But it's not working. <laughs> like that that's a that's a difference. So like that's where I would draw the line of when to adjust, when not to. So in that game, we were executing our game plan as far as defending her in screens, but it was getting she was dissecting it, finding players using change of speed, change of direction, and just torching us. And it was not going to end well if I let Stubborn get a speed. So we we tried uh, something different because we'd chosen a bad strategy. Our execution of that strategy was acceptable, but the, the strategy in and of itself was bad mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or wasn't working. It wasn't getting the desired outcome in that, in that game. So I think I, there's sometimes coaches sort of call – what they're doing adjusting but really what they're doing is searching for something to go right especially for younger coaches just beware i think when we hear that term adjustments they think of calling a timeout and drawing up something completely new that the team has never practiced before or practiced very little 
and it doesn't yeah. end well for their team. Great point, because that adjustment we went to to trap her wasn't something we'd never done. It just wasn't the game plan going into that game. So yeah. it was like, okay, you, you know, we, we call it going green. So we're going to go green. We knew everyone knew what that meant. We didn't have to draw it up in the dirt, to, so to speak, right? So I would say, too, that that other areas where maybe there was some some adjustment to, to use, if you're a pressing team, I'm just throwing out kind of examples that populate my mind that, that might apply to some listeners. If you're a pressing team, maybe you've got a read on from the first game or, or early in the first quarter of the game against the opponent. Like, you know, we set this trap and their press offense habit is to go to go to, you know, to reverse it to the inbounder instead of throwing up the sideline or throwing the diagonal. They kind of just have it, pass it back to the inbounder. So, okay, let's, let's, we, we call that squeeze. So let's trap instead of covering the middle with our off guard, saying a diamond press, we're going to squeeze back to the inbounder to, to sort of like, okay, this is what, you know, they're, they're seeing this open option and habitually finding that player. Let's take it away and make them see something else. Right. So, so examples like that, I think, you know, coming out of a timeout in a different defense is something that I've seen be, problematic like i can remember we we ran sort of like the syracuse version of the two or three two three zone that you and i've talked about before as sort of like a we, we mainly put it in just so we'd have something decent to practice against when we so but we used it from time to time and you know, maybe we're we're on a run and you know the coach calls one of those timeouts to, to sort of break a run and they, it's their ball obviously so so like, you know, I'd ask my team, what do you think they're over there drawing up? You know, something to do against man to man. So like, hey, for this next possession, let's jump into to orange. That's what we called Syracuse mm-hmm. nod, nod to the orange. Right. So so let's jump into orange. And, you know, like they're over there mad calling timeout to draw up a, a quick hitter to kind of steady the ship. And we're going to come out and, you know, show them a different defense. So now that timeout was sort of rendered useless in a way because we, mm-hmm. we showed them a different defense. So. You know, those are little things, too. I would say as a coach, a good idea to sort of anticipate things like that. Um, you, if you ever watch football, you ever you hear a quarterback get to the line and go, kill, kill, kill. You, you hear the quarterback say that. So when you're calling your timeout to maybe put in an ATO, have a have a zone win and a man win. That, like if they're man, we're doing this. If they're zone, we're doing that. And it's almost like that's the same thing as when that quarterback goes to the line of scrimmage. They come out of the huddle with that play that they called. Mm-hmm. that they thought with for the look they might see then you hear Dak Prescott or you know Peyton Manning or whoever to kill 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 and then they start barking out a new deal so sort of like you've got to think about the mites and the could be's and mm-hmm. the, you know otherwise you look you look unprepared you know I'm just thinking through some things that I saw this year you've talked about like after a timeout you know after a made free throw just watching for a press yeah those are the kinds of things that you don't think a lot about when you're a player or a young coach until you face them and they cost you three turnovers in a row or something like that. Just being prepared for for that kind of thing can make the difference, especially late in the season here where you have a lot of close games or you're in a playoff game mm-hmm. and it's down to one possession or something like that. Um, one yes. of the acti- activities that I think maybe you do with your coaches, our head coach Burton and, and I have done before is we've like sat down and like thought about and written out all the possible scenarios of things like that, that you could see. And I'm sure it's not an exhaustive list, but you know, some things that maybe you face within your region or the coaches that you play against, you know, you and I were talking beforehand about that chess match that you have against the teams that you play against frequently and things that maybe they've done in the past against you or whatever, anything like that come to mind or anything that maybe would warn or prepare in addition to the ones you already mentioned. 
I was in my third year at a place, and and, our, and again, as I've mentioned, we play teams double round robin every year. If the districts, you know, they 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 might remain the same. They 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 readjust every two years in Texas, but mm. most of the time they're very similar because it's geographic and and size classification wise. So that that may change some, but but not a whole lot. So we played this team where we're. We would have a better win-loss record. We we always went further in the postseason playoffs than they did. But for some reason, they were just sort of like a thorn in our side. Like this team presented kind of a matchup difficulty. for I don't know why, because we'd win the district, but lose to them. <laughs> you know, something like that. So I think we'd lost to them five times in a row. So those three years, we'd lost to them five times in a row. They'd be our only district loss. They'd lose to someone we would annihilate, but like, it was weird. But so like we get into that sixth game. So it's the third year. We played them twice every year. So we got two, four, five. And then that sixth game of that third year, I was like, look, man, like you, <laughs> we can't just roll out our pressure man to man and motion off. And like, that's this is five, five times in a row. They've beaten us. So we just played the whole game in zone. Like I, mm. I don't think that was uh, anticipated by them because they're looking like, well, that's that's Randy. He doesn't change. He always runs that. So not that they hadn't seen a zone all year, but for that particular night, it was a little it was a little off putting for them. Yeah. So something like that. Like if you just have a track record against a team where where it's just, but I mean, as long as they're competitive games, I wouldn't advise going. You know, making these super changes for a team you're going to beat by 40 or lose to by 40. Like, just just get what you can out of those games. But, like, this was these were always close competitive games that we came out on the wrong side of that, like, I was letting stubbornness get me beat. And uh, we, we did a little bit more zone pressing, back to zone. Um, they had two really good guards that we had a hard time containing in man-to-man. And I just sort of like had beaten the, hey, we just got to play harder rock to death. And it wasn't happening. We made an adjustment and and, and came out victorious. So so things like that, I, I mean, if like stubborn can get you beat, you, but as a coach, what you've got to decipher though is, you know, stubborn can also move your program forward, right? Like, like if if we're trying to get better at something and we and and I need to kind of hold our feet to the fire on playing it and making it work and executing it, I got to evaluate whether that's more important than a change in the moment. Where in that moment, an anecdotal experience of mine, I felt like that team we did what we did just fine. It just wasn't a good strategy against this team, so we we came up with a new one. We're a little late in the season for probably coaches to employ this philosophy now. But to your point of doing something that isn't completely brand new that you you had practiced before, mm-hmm. I feel like to this point of the year, you can make minor adjustments if during the course of a year you have been practicing blitzing a ball screen, downing a ball screen, icing a ball screen. You have those tools then that you yeah. can make those minor adjust, adjustments rather than being married to one or two and then basically just boxing yourself in. That's defensively, and I think offensively, one of the biggest things I've learned from you and also having run conceptual offense the last couple of years is that when you play conceptually, the natural result in the long term is you have solutions to things that I think probably coaches feel a little bit more pressured to make adjustments when they're running a lot of plays and the team scouts them well and takes away that option. And now they're left with nothing and they have to come up with a new adjustment, which is nothing more than a new play that, that maybe will work for a little while. Absolutely. What you're saying there is remind me of a teaching phrase that I repeated to our players all the time is they can only guard us one way at a time. 
<laughs> right? So like we we our offense being based on reading the defense, that's that's one, you know, conceptual base. So what we told our players is like, hey, they they can only like on this given action, this ball screen or this down screen or something. Yes, in the basketball universe, there's four or five different ways that they can guard this this down screen, let's say. But we've shown you all those ways and they can only do it one way at a time. So like when Randy is going to down screen for Tony in this possession, that screen, they can only, you know, they're, they're going to trail it or they're going to go on they're, They can't guard it. So it's about recognition. It's about recognizing the defense. And, and then it looks like an adjustment, but it's just the player saying, okay, they can only guard us one way at a time. Coach has given me a menu of like the four or five ways that they might guard us, and here's what they're doing. They're going under, so I'm going to pop cut this down screen and catch and shoot three, something like that, right? So like that's 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 an example of how conceptual style of offense gives you baked in adjustments because mm-hmm. right? okay, you what adjustment are they going to make in the next game? Okay, they're gonna they're gonna trail screens instead of going under them because we hit a bunch of pop cut threes on them. Well, cool, we'll curl. Mm-hmm. We, we already know how to do that. That's been talked about. That's been replicated in practice when we when, way back when we started introducing using off ball screens and things like that. So those are ready made adjustments like, I'm, OK, what they can adjust, but they can only guard us one way at a time. Randy and I have mentioned a few of these adjustments and been specific about like he was talking about orange, the two, three zone. We have done and have tried to over the back about the last two months, especially do a lot more X's and O's breakdowns of these things. So if you're looking for some things, maybe it's too late to employ mm-hmm. this year, but for next year, you can go back and, and watch. We had one episode on that. This just this last week, we had one on ball screen options. Um, we've got some, some sets that you can run out of conceptual offense. There's a lot of things that could be used as adjustments. I'd encourage you to go back and watch those and listen to those to maybe get some ideas. We have video breakdowns and diagrams, and so it's all there for you. And I know he and I are both willing to share those things with you on Fast Draw if you have that. Before we wrap things up, big thanks to our sponsors at Sideline Interactive. They're the leading manufacturers of scoring tables and scoreboards for high schools and colleges around the country. We do a quick Beyond the Scoreboard segment. We've incorporated this several different ways. Randy, Beyond the Scoreboard, is there a resource in addition to the one maybe that I just mentioned? But is there maybe a resource that you would point people to connected to anything that we talked about today? Yeah, I've, I've written a couple Beyond the Scoreboard blog posts on my subscription newsletter at radiusathletics.substack.com where I kind of just sort of ask more like philosophical questions that, you know, beyond the scoreboard, the not, not X's and O's writing that I do a lot of also, but like some maybe like coaching philosophy, coaching decisions, sort of helping coaches beyond the scoreboard <laughs> to find out more about sideline interactive visit sidelineinteractive.com. appreciate all of you who joined us this week if you missed any part of the live show you can go back and watch or listen to that you can watch it on the radius athletics youtube page just search hoops forum or radius athletics if you want to listen to the podcast form go into any podcast platform search a quick timeout and there you'll find the audio version of the show for randy sherman i'm tony miller We'll talk to you again next week on Hoops Form.